Welcome to season three of Motivate Me. We invite you to travel the 50 states in 90 days as we interview people about their passion. Why? In order to inspire you to live a life that's more exciting or more meaningful. This is Motivate Me, and I'm Lynette Renda. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us today. I am standing here, and I am in the Saxton's River Distillery, and I am in Brattleboro, Vermont, and I'm speaking with Christian Stromberg. Christian, thank you for having my crew and I in your distillery. Thank you for coming. Now, listen, I know that you are someone who came from a corporate job, engineering, and here you find yourself in a distillery that is yours. Can you tell us what exactly is your passion? You know, I liked making things, and ultimately, I guess that's how I ended up in engineering. But being in engineering, and certainly as a corporate engineer, you make what other people want you to make. And I finally became to the conclusion, I want to, to do my own thing, I had to start my own thing. So uh, there is some family history to making liquor. And I took that recipe and said, well, let's give this a try. And this was now 10 years ago, and I really enjoy doing what I do of coming up and creating new and interesting spirits and I just think it's fun to be able to share you know that sort of vision with other people in the world. What was the first product? The sapling maple liqueur is our first product 10 years ago and that was based on a family recipe of a honey liqueur and it's a Lithuanian drink called Krupnikus and being that I was in Vermont I took that and instead of using honey I used local Vermont maple syrup. And that moved into what? Because I know recently you just started with gin. Yeah, we, you know, back in the day, I thought I was going to immediately crank out and start producing gin, which I played with a little bit and then realized there was a lot to it and equipment that I didn't have. And I was still in my barn uh, up in Cambridgeport, Vermont, on the Saxton's River. And it really wasn't going to be easily possible and also the barn was tiny and, and sapling liqueur took off and we started getting more states more accounts each state you need a different dist distributor um, and as it grew I finally realized I first off I need more space and that's how we ended up here in Brattleboro and once we got into the space finally we were able to have more flexibility but also at the same time there was some demand that we wanted a different version of sapling so sapling bourbon and sapling rye were born uh, which definitely required more space just for all the oak barrels uh, and the aging certainly takes a lot more space and is uh, eventually becomes a limiting factor in how much whiskey can you have offer at some period of time because it's dependent on how much whiskey are you aging at the moment. So you make this decision to leave engineering and to start your distillery. What was that decision like? Did you have hesitations? Did you have challenges? Or I'm, I'm sure you did, but what did it look like? It was scary. Um, at the time, I also had uh, a newborn daughter, and I knew if I was going to do this, I had to make it work. Uh, I mean, I had lots of ideas of different sort of businesses I wanted to try, but I knew 
based on how much you know cash in the pocket I had to try it that it was going to have to be a low investment and I at the, the way I started it was very from the ground up and you know the, there wasn't much equipment uh, and all I could do the best I could do was to create a space separate you know distilleries have to be in their own buildings so I was able to do that and have a small enough space to do it but you know manageable and we, we've always made money um, it wasn't much to start and it slowly grew, but I was able to, you know, keep a roof over our heads and get it, you know, provide food. Uh, and it was very, a very organic growth. Um, but I, I'm okay with the way we started. It would have been nice to had more money to invest in early, but, uh, we've been here 10 years, so I can't, you know, not everybody is, you know, that started out. Are they still here today? No, not all are. Um, so there's certainly wrong ways to do it and that's some people have proven it and uh, this is the way I did it and It's worked so far. Well, and I really like the fact that You took something you were passionate about and you acted on it and you walked through that fear What did it feel like because I so many of my audience members they have passions and They just let the fear prevent them from moving forward I guess you need to have enough confidence in what you're going to do. Um, you know, I, have, I do have a technical background and, you know, part of this sort of business is technical. So it does fall within my skill set. And the different part of it is you're going to have to have, I was sales, I was marketing, I was production. I mean, for five years, I worked by myself. You were an entrepreneur. Yeah. And without, so I did sales calls uh i went on marketing um missions you know to go out and visit liquor stores bars restaurants try to promote and doing shows you know the advantage of starting this in vermont is for years we've been able to go to a festival craft fairs and set up a booth and have people taste and sell liquor um part of then my skill set was how to go to the state house and lobby for law changes because at the time Vermont's a control state and the only up until we came about the only seller of liquor was the state of Vermont so you know it's a challenge but fortunately Vermont's a, a small enough state where the people in the legislature are people who have businesses uh, we have a part-time legislature so they when it's done they go back to what they do so I think they understood that it's it's not easy and they were open to make these changes and see where it went and, and it's and it's worked so whereas i was the fourth distiller in the state they're about 17 now and it's a good still a good state to do this in and certainly it's the ability you've seen our tasting room for the public to come in and to try and i'm very proud of the liquors we make that they're good and people are going to buy them um, but it, it's it's a diverse set of skills that you're going to need because you can say you can make a wonderful product. No one is going to beat your door down to buy it if they don't know about it. And your ability to get that across is still an ongoing challenge. I mean, every day and every business is the same way. So you're going to have to have look at what you could do and what, what, you, what are your strengths. And if you don't have that strength, you're going to have to find somebody to help you with that aspect if so I was good in production and manufacturing so uh, we have a full-time marketing salesperson drew 
and that's his job is to make sure that everybody knows about it and you know i did it early on but there are better people for it and now we're finally hit the point where we can have i can bring in other people to handle things that i can't do um, from hiring local designer tim thrasher to design the label that you know I, I i thought i was okay and then there's the reality is there's people who do this for a living and they're good at their job and, and eventually you just have to let them do it otherwise you could you know our package has to stand up against big international companies who have um, entire departments doing what uh, me and a local designer did and it has to when it sits on the shelf next to some of the largest liquor companies in the world's product it has to stand out and and be good good enough to be there because they're not just there's no empty spell say uh, no empty space on a shelf waiting for our liquor to show up and go oh thank god you're here because we didn't know what to put here there's, some, there's something there and something's coming off um so your, your product has to be distinct and and good enough to be there what do you think that you've learned about yourself through this process i I'm one to do it all myself, and for five years I, uh, I did, and maybe earlier I should have given up some aspects to let others do it that, that are just better at it, such as, you know, I, I'm okay at sales, and I certainly did it, and I still, I still meet with customers or potential customers, but being on the road, I, I, you can't do it all. I mean, ha running, eventually I ran a factory, we had a tasting room well, I can't be on the road and that be open. So immediately, okay, I, I'm going to need somebody here all the time. And, and then the, I had one employee um, doing production, covering the sales room. And we all still cover the sales room. We don't have any full-time staff for just doing uh, retail sales and tasting. So we all are able to try a different hat on and, and teach people about it. But that said, people coming in are meeting people who are intimately involved in the, in the production of, of the liquors we make. So they are knowledgeable and, and, you know, we don't do formal tours, but people coming in can certainly learn something because we all know a, a bit about what's going on. And, and that's part of the experience and that's part of what they're going to see here. What would you say the most frequently asked question by people who come in for uh, learning? What would you say that is? It's still, what's the difference between bourbon and rye? And what is it? Bourbon is made from predominantly corn and rye is derived from rye and they're distinctly different spirits and once people taste like oh now I get it and and but it's really just a difference in grain. So what would you say what advice would you give people about pursuing their passions? Well before you quit your job is to make sure you've got a good plan in place. Um, for me you know, I, I, it's it been ruminating for years about what to do. And certainly, at least if it's a type of business where you can uh, try it in your kitchen, you know, and, and use what you've got. I mean, fortunately, living rural, I, I'd already built a rather large barn to uh, set the distillery up in. And that would be a tough one. Distilling in particular, you're going to have to have a, a place to do it. And you can't even apply for your license until you have the place. For me, it was on our property. And that was a huge advantage. I had no overhead. Um, you're going to have, uh, and then sometimes it's a leap of faith. I mean, it was a f one year full time working to get it open. And that's really hard if you've got a day job. Um, but other types of businesses aren't that way. And then uh, not a bad method is to, on a weekend, take your product and bring it to a, a, 
a show, a craft show or fair and try to sell it and see what people think. And that is a great way to meet people who are your potential customers and, but without a huge risk. And if you've made uh, a bunch of candles, are people interested in them? Uh, whatever it is, I mean, I'm, I'm product oriented versus service just because my background's manufacturing and my family's history is manufacturing. So I look at it, I always talk about products and what people could bring to market. And, and then also you have to look at what's out there in the, in the big world. Is this gonna be imported somewhere cheaper from uh, another country? Um, and who are you, you know, in the end of the day, you may be competing against something from that you can't possibly um, compete against on cost. So if you can't win on cost, then what is, what is your advantage and why are they going to buy it from you? And you really have to be analytical about that and look, you know, all your, and don't listen to your friends <laughs> because your friends, they, they know you and they they may not want to offend you. And that's why going to a show where these people don't know you and at the end of the day, did you make any money? Uh, you know, once it's not, you know, giving, giving barbecue sauce to your friends who think they love it, well, are they willing to spend $10 instead? And all of a sudden things change once there's a monetary um, aspect to it. So hopefully um, you can get kind of the objective feedback. Um, you, you really got to get away from the people who know you to figure out is what you're doing special enough for people is the reality is starting you you don't have any cost advantage you're not a huge manufacturing operation that can just crank out thousands and thousands of widgets an hour you know if you're doing something handmade well now is it worth it are people willing to um to spend that the the premium of of meeting the uh, the manufacturer meeting the the artisan meeting the crafter and Fortunately, a lot of that you can do without quitting your day job, the one that uh, pays the bills, because it's a big step to now you're doing it, and that has to provide all of what you need. How can people find you online? Uh, we're SaxtonsRiverDistillery.com. Uh, our products are sapling liqueur, and any of those search terms, perk coffee liqueur, and snowdrop gin is brand new, so it's a little going to be a little harder to find but uh, we're all, all listed through our website and certainly they can come visit us in Brattleboro. I love it. Thank you so much for having my crew and I in here because I'm pretty sure we're going to go get to taste some of your things here, huh? Thank you very much and you certainly may. Awesome. Great. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I have come to be known as the 50 States in 90 Days Lady, a concept that is unfathomable to most. If you would like me to come speak at your event about how to envision, explore, and execute a plan, or how to create a life that is more exciting or more meaningful, you can find me at MotivateMePodcast.com. And the world keeps turning and I just keep moving along. Oh.